Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. We've got a whole book full of things to discuss today. Penn State Media, or excuse me, Big Ten Media Day. Penn State's at Big Ten Media Day. Two new commits. We're going to preview Michigan, Michigan State, and Rutgers. Just, just a lot to discuss and fan questions as well. So very excited to have you here. Uh, very excited to get going. We'll be back in just one second. For Penn State football, I'm Corey Lestoki. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Feeling good, Corey. Feeling good. Uh, I kept the one thing is I kept thinking today was Thursday, and that's always just a buzzkill when it's really Wednesday. But by the time most of our podcasters are listening to it, it will be Thursday, so it'll be good for them, I guess. But disappointing for me. Yeah, it's still Wednesday, but Wednesday does mean us, so that's always nice. Like, this is true. if you're going to have to do Wednesday, you can at least do Wednesday with us. So so welcome on in, everybody. Um, a lot to discuss, a lot to get to. Penn State's at Big Ten Media Day. You know who didn't show up to, Penn, uh, to Media Day, Sean? Northwestern. I did see that their interim coach was there, but I know their players didn't come. Uh, yeah, but they— uh, I, I- he didn't talk about anything. <laughs> what do you think of that? I kind of think it was a mistake. To go or to not go? I think it was a mistake for the players not to go. No, I agree. I um, agree you go back to when we went, when we got sanctions handed down to us uh, in 2012. I really think that was the start of the healing process was Big Ten Media Day. And Mike Maudie you know, calling out the commissioner of the NCAA. And that wasn't just that. It was just kind of standing up for the school and standing up for the standing up for the players and the team. And I think if you trust your guys to be the leaders in your locker room, then, I mean, it, then you 
the best thing to do is get out in front of this. But hey, it's not my team. <laughs> right. Um, no, I agree with you as far as that goes. I think they should have been there for sure. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, before we get down the rabbit hole, Sean, because we have a tendency to do that, I will not forget. I will not forget this. I would like to um, start off the show with a five-star rating. Um, I love I it. I don't, don't know if we're allowed to say their name. I didn't ask to ask if I could say their name or not. Um, so I'm just not going to. But this is on Instagram. I guess I don't know what Elon Musk is doing on Twitter or X or wherever it is now. But I guess people can't just direct message us unless they are subscribed now. Yeah. It's, but it, it doesn't it, always work. I don't really know the rules to it. But anyway, um, if you can't direct message us on Twitter, DM us via Instagram or Facebook, whatever the case may be. You can email us at hardcorecfb at gmail.com. But anyway, this person reached out to us on Instagram and said, rated you guys five stars on Spotify a while ago, just never sent it in for a review. Love the podcast and the amount of information you guys have for us weekly. Also, have to say that the introduction gives me chills every time. So thank you very much to this person for that. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Um, we will be sending thank them you. a five or a, uh, a a sticker. So so thank you for that. I also think we had somebody else message us that got the Bruce Springsteen question correct, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But um, but uh, they got this right and. Uh, Wait, was that right? I thought somebody else said something really nice about us on Twitter, but now I'm not so sure. But I thought we got somebody sending us something nice on Twitter. But uh, regardless, if you drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify, let us know. We will send a sticker to you for free. And if you say something nice, we'll read it on the show. So thank you very much for that. Compliments. It's a nice way to start the show. Uh, Always like starting with compliments. We have a lot to discuss today, Sean. Two new commits. Penn State is at Big Ten Media Day. Keaton Ellis, Olu Fashanu, or excuse me, Fashanu, and um, Keaton El- and Adisa Isaac, Adisa Keaton Isaac. Ellis, Olu Fashanu, all at Media Day, as well as James Franklin and Patrick Kraft. And then we're going to break down Michigan. Rutgers and Michigan State. So a lot to discuss today, Sean. Um, before we start, we started the last episode talking about Saquon Barkley and how he hadn't signed. Flash forward one week, Sean, he has signed a contract. I think what it's with incentives. It's it's is it close to 13, 15 million with the incentives. I know theoretically it's not as much without the incentives, but with the incentives, it is better than a franchise tag, correct? Yeah, yeah, it, it's better than a franchise tag in theory. Um, I think he could get up to twelve million um, with incentives. I, I mean, <laughs> the thing was kind of it was a little played out, and um, I, I honestly don't think Saquon got the best representation, and that's might be why he might be on the way out of Rock Nation. Uh, just because he had a $22 million guaranteed contract offered to him a few months ago. And now he's settling for half of that. So, I mean, it's good that he's back, and maybe it's 
maybe it's better than a franchise tag, but essentially he's back to pretty much where where he's where he started. Gotcha. Yeah, no, and um I think he's happy. I, James Franklin mentioned something at Big Ten Media Day that he talked to Saquon Barkley for a decent amount of time. So, um, and he said he hadn't done that for a minute. So, um, yeah. And I think Saquon just wanted to get back to work too. He's not the type of guy who wants to sit out a season. So, yeah. Happy and, that we're seeing him. And, you know, he has a chance to, to make a lot of money if he can stay healthy and he can do things, you know, properly. Um, but, it's a long season nowadays in the NFL. It's a long yeah, season. Especially for a running back. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk Big Ten Media Day notes first, Sean. Just, I mean, just getting underway there. A lot of good stuff coming out of there. Um, there are some notables for me. The first one being that the probably the biggest revelation to me was that defensive line coach Dion Barnes, quote, like wasn't a guarantee home run like that he was going to be hired that he was going to be the next guy uh james franklin was kind of like interviewed college coaches interviewed nfl coaches and Dion barnes kind of blew them all out of the water Dion barnes, barnes even got a haircut to show how serious he was about that um he said that the players you know really respected him and Quote, unquote, so far, so good when it comes to recruiting. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But that, to me, is just bonkers, right, Sean? I mean, I don't know. This is just Coach Franklin is messing with us a little bit. But everyone kind of thought it was Deion Barnes' to lose. And now it's like, well, maybe Deion Barnes wasn't even being considered as serious as we originally thought. Well, I mean, if you go back to that, I remember joking around about how it's taking them so long and that it seemed like they just circled back to Dion Barnes. And I do think he was always in the back of their minds and I don't think it's any um, slight on Dion. I think it was just Franklin doing his due, di due diligence and that's his job. That's why he's getting paid uh, a lot more money than I'll ever have to uh, make these decisions. And you can't just settle for, um, you know, you can't just settle for what's in-house without looking. And I think he's done that with other hires before in the past uh, when he may not have had as big of a salary pool for assistant coaches. But I just don't think that's something that James Franklin wants to be doing at this point in time, and I don't blame him at all. Yeah, I'm... Um... It's just crazy to me, right, that, that that was kind of the conversation that they had because we all thought, like, oh, yeah, it's going to go to him no matter what. And maybe maybe it wasn't as obvious as we thought. But regardless, Deion Barnes is there, too. Uh, also, Sean, stop me if you've heard it before, but we have a quarterback competition in Happy Valley. No way. Yeah, yeah, believe it or not, yeah. Uh, James Franklin saying that, they're battling, competing for the job right now. It's, it's you know, nobody's spot at the moment. I don't know how long he's going to take to get there, but, I mean, we have a we have a, uh, a fan question about this, so I don't want to spoil too much of it. But it's just funny to me because, obviously, they do this every year, but he's not fooling anyone this year, Sean. <laughs> Uh, certainly not us. 
And I, I knew it would come up because every time the quarterback question comes up, we do get asked about it, and it's a fair question. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit in, um, you know, off the show um, in, in, a, in a text message with some buddies. And, you know, if you've been listening to James Franklin in his press conferences for 10 years, he says this every year. You know, he's not one to um, anoint anybody the starter, especially when he has no incumbent starter. Now, Franklin has only had three quarterbacks in his time at Penn State, and it feels weird, but that that was the case. Uh, and he's only had a couple of real competitions. And, yeah, of course he's not going— uh, it didn't shock me at all that he didn't name anybody the starter, and it's good to keep Drew Aller motivated because you don't want to just hand— hand over a starting job to somebody who hasn't proven anything yet. And we're all we're all enamored with Jaraller's talent, but we've had talented quarterbacks out of high school come here before and not work out the way that we wanted them to. So you have to keep them hungry and you have to keep them competing. And that's one of James Franklin's core values. And I think it's a good core value to have and to and you have to practice it. No, no, no. Yeah, for sure. But it's uh, it's hysterical, uh, at least for a little bit there. Um, probably the the biggest thing to – well, I guess I already said the biggest thing. The second biggest thing, if I will, was this quote from him about the defense, especially like the front seven. We are bigger. We are more athletic. We are physical. And I think we have a legit three deep across the board. I mean – if that doesn't answer the questions that we've got all off season about the defense and being physical enough for the Michigans of the world, I mean, I don't know what else is. And, and it's kind of bullish by James Franklin. We don't see him kind of talk like that unless he is for sure about it. Like he's not going to throw that out there just to throw it out there. Um, you got to be pretty excited about this defense and, and where it can be is, I mean, they were really good last year and if they have that depth and they have the physicality and they have, you know, put on a couple more pounds, I think the way he put it the best way was some guys added weight, not because they needed to add weight for the beginning of the season, but as the season progresses, you lose a couple pounds. Where are you going to end up in November? Where are you going to end up? I guess now in December, you're kind of trying to make sure your body's still there, you're still physically prepared for those challenges at the end of the season. So I, I think this was a huge, huge uh, testimony to where the defense is right now, and we got it on July 26. Yeah, I mean, I think Franklin feels awesome about this team. I think he thinks this is a team that could really make some noise um, not only in the conference, but nationally. And he's always an optimistic guy. That's just his nature. He's not really someone who calls his team out in public. But usually when he's worried about something or about a position, he'll say things like, you know, we have some challenges at this spot. We have some challenges here. And he really didn't get into that about anywhere especially on defense i think he's he, he pointed out the secondary but it was mostly just being able to reload from 
losing Jair Brown and losing Joey Porter Jr., which, of course, you know, you lost two of uh, the best players, uh, probably two of the top 100 players in college football last year, or 75 players in college football last year. So, yeah, you got to be able to reload there. But he really didn't sound that worried about it, and I think it speaks to the depth that's been built and the talent that they've recruited. And it all goes back to what we talk about a lot when it comes to uh, stacking classes and stockpiling talent and just constantly recruiting top 10, top 15, top 10, top 15. And if you do that and, you're, and you have uh, good coaches like we do in the secondary with Poindexter and Terry Smith to uh, develop these guys, then yeah, you're gonna be in a good you're gonna be in a good spot when you lose a Joey Porter, when you lose a Tick Brown. And we love those guys, but I do I feel good about what we have behind them, and he seems to as well. No, no, he 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 definitely seems uh, to to believe in that, and so we'll have to kind of see it for ourselves here in in just over a month, but. Yeah, you, you kind of feel pretty good right now with where they're at defensively. Um, specifically about linebackers, he said, a big question mark coming into the last season, a lot of unproven players. That is not the case anymore. So whatever you thought about the linebackers last year, James Franklin, again, reiterating, not very concerned about the linebackers, Sean. Well, I still am about the middle linebackers. Um, you know, Fair enough. I <laughs> I have to just see it with Kobe King and Tyler Ellison. I just got to see it. I'm not saying that those guys can't play or they can't get better. Of course they could. I mean, look at the difference between uh, Johnny Dixon in 2021 compared to Johnny Dixon in 2022. Uh, and now I think we all feel really good about Johnny Dixon coming into 2023. Um, I just want to see one of those guys separate themselves. And I know we'll be running a lot of the nickel this year. I think that's good. I think our nickel defense, uh, a lot of teams, good luck scoring against them. Uh, but we're gonna need we're gonna need them against the we're gonna need the middle linebackers to be able to step up against the Michigans, the Iowa's, and the Illinois of the world. We just will. Uh, does it make me feel better that Franklin said that? Yes. Because, like I said, usually when he's worried about something, he'll say, you know, something along the lines of there's competition at middle linebacker and we're still figuring some things out. He won't criticize them per se, but he will touch on that a little bit. And he really didn't do that. So maybe they really showed him something in the spring, and I, I hope they did. I thought Kobe King played pretty well in the spring game. Elston was coming off an injury. But, uh Yeah. And the good thing is we all know Abdul Carter is awesome. And we all know Curtis Jacobs is awesome. So those are two positions right there at linebacker that we feel that, yeah, total agreement with James Franklin. We're going to be really good at the Sam and the Will. Sean, I want to get to something that, that Franklin brought up that – I mean, he he said that we all knew this was happening, but we did not know it was specifically happening at Penn State, and that is tampering of players. He said that that players are basically offered certain amount of numbers, NIL-wise, 
uh, to transfer after the season to go somewhere else. And and he said he was straight up, hey, I was worried. I was worried about where they were going to be um, w- when the transfer portal opened back up and and kind of just holding your breath and, and not sure if, if kids are going to bite on stuff like that. He went down some more rabbit holes regarding you sort of find out where those offers are coming from, usually from back channels, whether it's from high school coaches or or players' families or whatever the case may be. But you figure out kind of where that conversations are are originating from. Uh, we kind of knew this was happening, but it's it kind of gives a whole new sense of what is going on when it finally hits home. And so we don't know what players specifically were being tampered with, but we saw it, you know, last year, obviously, uh, with Pitt. Uh-oh. Hold on a second. Breaking have, news? No, we've disconnected. Oh, dang. I think, okay, we are we are back. I don't know if we lost anybody for a second there or not. Um, but, it, no, it, it hits harder, you know, when, when it happens to you. So, yeah. Kind of curious where those things we, we saw that Congress is is drafting a a bill um, with your boy Mansion and and my boy Tuberville. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. It's a good way to put it. If it uh, <laughs> it comes to anything good, but but really, I think you you said this the best, Sean. It's pathetic that the. ADs and the presidents of these universities and and the people involved with these conferences and of course the NCAA refuses to do it themselves. Um, this should not be something that Congress has to do. This is something that a hundred percent should be figured out by football people for football players and and obviously the foot the game of football itself. And it's just frustrating that. They just kind of kicked the can to the next to the next group of people to figure it out that also really shouldn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah, they kicked it to Congress, and Congress always handles things well. So, um, yeah, this is just an abdication of it's just a dereliction of duty, really, from these conference commissioners. Like uh, last week, uh, you had Greg Sankey saying we need Congress to do something, like. Uh, no, you guys need to do something. And I think it was really underscored during COVID just how these different conferences work. And they do not work in unison at all. And now with the NCAA basically being neutered by the Supreme Court, the, there's no enforcement for much anything. And there's no real rules. Like, tampering is against the rules. You are not allowed to tamper. That is not a new rule that needs to be, uh, that, that they need to come up, that the NCAA needs to come up with, but it's just, they don't punish it. They've just totally washed their hands of it. So, okay, if the NCAA washes their hands of it, well, we need, for the time being, the conference commissioners to come together, come up with something, in coordination with the coaches, work with the coaches, work with the athletic directors, work with the players, and come up with something. I don't think tossing it to Tommy Tuberville, who, by the way, was a former head coach 
a mediocre one, but he was a head coach. So where do you think where do you think his interest is? Who do you whose interest do you think he's representing? I mean, and then Joe Manchin, I I don't know how he's qualified at all to be able to handle it. And same with Cory Booker. I mean, did they, these guys they, they don't know, and they shouldn't even be worrying about this stuff. This is just this is. This is just these uh, conference commissioners who don't want to do their jobs. And it's sad, but this is, I worry that this is the best we're going to get to having rules to this thing, because right now it is a bit of the wild, wild west, and it's just because there's no rules. But nobody seems to want to be able to figure it out. Pause for dramatic effect. No, I, I think you hit it on the head. It's uh, it's frustrating to say the least. Um, speaking of NIL, uh, James Frank, because here's the thing. James Franklin said again, they're trying to close the gap. They're trying to close the gap. Who we don't know what the gap is. Like a couple months ago, he said that the gap was two years. Now he said they're they are continuing to close the gap. You know that gap is never going to be 100% closed. Which whatever, I get that. Um, but he was asked, I think it was by Audrey Snyder about like, okay, you said that the, like, it's better now than it was like, how, like how, how has Patrick Kraft and company made it better or how are you guys actually aligned? And he said he really couldn't answer that specifically, but, um, he did say, quote, Pat has come in and made a significant impact. And I think. Uh, end quote, I should say. Um, and I think that, to me, I think it got them serious. And we have a fan question about Patrick Kraft tonight, so I don't want to spoil that too much. But um, I think he did come in and make Penn State serious about what Penn State needed to be serious about. So I do want to give Patrick Kraft credit there, but I wanted to to share what James Franklin said about him as well. Yeah, and I think Corey and I have both been more uh, wait and see about Pat Kraft than a lot of the fans are. And it's because, I mean, he talks a good game. He does, but ultimately it's about delivering. And the one thing I will give him credit for is a diff different sport. I mean, we did lose Micah Shrewsbury, but I thought Mike Rhodes was a, more than that, was a better replacement than I thought we were going to get. Uh, but other than that, he just he hasn't done a whole lot yet. But I know they talked a little bit about the stadium and uh, renovations. I think they're going to start in 2025. I think we uh, I think Corey tweeted that out today from the account. So, I mean, that's a big thing. And then just getting our NIL ducks in a row. And a lot of it with Sandy, I think especially with NIL, I think at that point when that all came down the pipe, it's like she was already semi-retired. She might have already announced that she was retiring. So <laughs> it used to be like pulling teeth uh, with uh, the board of trustees and uh, to an extent with her. But now we got a guy who I think really gets it. And it's not just, you know, end of, an end of career job. So... I think he's he's a modern day athletic director. And what does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> but it does mean his heart's in the right place. 
Way to spoil the question for later. Um, on Patrick Sorry, Kraft, man. he did mention stadium renovation, said they're going to start, they're, they're planning things out for the next couple of years, um, but hope to start renovations January 2025, pretty much right after the playoff game is what, hopefully, playoff game is what he said. And plan to be right done with all. Title, right? right. Plenty of uh, plenty of time to do it because it won't be finished until August 2027. So take that for what you will. But um, renovations include fixing the west side, press boxes. They're going to do the east side suites. They're going to create better flow down the east side for, for leaving purposes and, and uh, concourses. Um, better restrooms across the across everything. Better concessions across everything. Um, those are the major things that I that I saw there. Still a lot of work that needs to be kind of planned, et cetera, on that. Sean, you're puzzly looking at me. Did you know? This is just kind of an aside because you brought up the bathrooms. Uh, my future father-in-law, my future brother-in-law, they told me a couple weeks back that Heinz Field still has the troughs that they pee in. And wow. I was puzzled because that stadium was like built like 20 years ago. I mean, at least our stadium was built like in the 50s. I just, I can't believe Heinz Field or whatever they're calling it these days. I can't believe they, they have the troughs. But thankfully, it looks like they're going to be getting rid of them. And hey, I mean, everybody who's been to Beaver Stadium, we all love the beef, but we knew it needs to be, we know it needs to be renovated. So again, though. Sandy Barber had plans to renovate Beaver Stadium, so I just want to see it. And yeah, it's they a even big had a fancy. They even had a fancy picture at the time. They did. It was really, really cool looking, actually. Also, we 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 talked about the Tunnel Club quite a bit. Um, oh yeah, the good old Tunnel Club. I would just like to to. He talked about it. He said as soon as they sent out that original email, they got. 150 people right off the bat that said basically yes and uh to me that's impressive uh but but more seriously they already have 30 people for the tunnel club man we disconnected again oh dang for a second we're back i don't know i don't know if the weather is just bad around here i'm not sure what's up with that but um but they have 30 people for the tunnel club already and there's only one bathroom apparently in there or something like that. So they're already trying to like think about how to make it bigger. But if you forget, the tunnel club is going to be right by the, the, uh, where the players enter the field and it's $10,000 for the year for, for seven games. And then a couple other events, they'll be able to go in there to watch other events, um, for 10 grand a year, Sean. So it will be for more than just um, <clears throat> for more than just the uh, the games, which I think we both said. I mean, I don't think anything's worth ten thousand dollars for just seven times a year, especially. So maybe you know. So you could sit in the tunnel club, obviously, but like. Do you get seats in the stadium included with that, or do you have to pay for your seats separate? Or I don't think seats work? are included. Okay, but now, I mean, at that point, if you're spending, and watch the, they can watch the game on the TV if they want of as course, well. Yeah, but then, like, I don't know. I feel like if I was at a game, I'd want to watch the game. 
Now, maybe watching a basketball game or watching a wrestling match, that could be cool in there. But if the game's going on, like, right on the other side of the wall, I'd want to sit in the stadium. You know what I mean? That's just me. It's not even like you get a club box seat um, or a luxury, or luxury box uh, where you're inside, but at least you can still see the, you can still see the field from where you're sitting. But, but Hey, if I, that, that's, that's rich people props, man. The only thing they could do, which I hope they don't do is from that tunnel club, have like an elevator up to the club level. Oh, that, that's a good point. I could definitely see that happening. Yep. Yeah. Really fancy there. It would make sense too. They could probably do that. Somehow, some way. Um, Rich people, they always find a way. Right. They always uh, find a way to he, he did mention beer sales, the last thing. He did mention beer sales. They did it for the Northwestern game, and it was cluttered. He said in the first quarter, they had a lot of lines running in other lines, and it was a mess, and they logistically need to do better at it. But otherwise, they had to shut it down, I guess, for a little bit. Sean, you were there that day, weren't you? Which game was this? I think it was the Northwestern game. It was the first time there was full no, beer. So. It was really rainy that day, and I barely what I barely left my seat, right. um, especially like to venture anywhere. I know at halftime I went underneath just to get somewhat dry for 20 minutes, and then I went back out. <laughs> uh, but I couldn't really tell you uh, just because yeah. I wasn't really wasn't really walking around that much that day. Gotcha. Well, apparently in the first quarter, the lines were just ridiculous and it was so cluttered. People couldn't get around the concourse. They actually had to like pause it. And, and he said straight up, like, we weren't trying to make a bunch of money that day. We were trying to figure it out. And so they was like, we got to stop this. We're not doing a great job with it. Yeah. So, and I mean, that, that that's just working out the kinks. That right. happens. So you never, a new restaurant opens up. You never go to the new restaurant within like the first month that it opens up. You give it. Correct. Let all let all the people go and 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 be a part of the uh, the guinea pigs to to figure out the kinks and everything like that show up there two or three months in that's like the best time to visit a restaurant before they raise prices or people already get sick of their jobs you'll probably find the happiest servers and also like the most trained servers ever then it's just downhill after that yeah pretty much like I don't I didn't get I didn't. Uh, I didn't drink at all at Beaver Stadium this past, this past season, um, but like I said, that game I certainly wasn't gonna go up venturing for a beer. Um, but I mean, hey, if that's your thing, that's your thing, and I'm sure I'll get a beer at some point in the stadium. Yeah, yeah, I think once you're already there, you're. I don't know. I'm pretty much. Ready I just to go. I go there. Yeah, I go there and watch the game. I don't really go there to drink a ten dollar beer. <laughs> right. Um, baseball, I think, is a little bit different, but. Baseball is completely different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Like I'm there to watch. We're going to try this again. Uh, let's go into recruiting. No. They might be able to hear it. Yeah. I think you two might be able to hear it. But um, otherwise. I don't know why that happens. But anyway. Recruiting. Cool. Oh, we can play this one too. I don't know if it's gonna work, but I think I know why it's doing that. 
I think I know why it's doing that. But anyway, recruiting news, big big time news. Um, okay, sorry about that, everybody. Sean, I think it would only be right if we let you do the honors for uh, the most recent, or excuse me, not the most recent, the commit that happened on Friday. I think that would be only right if you if you went ahead and did that. Yeah, it looks like Penn State has won the Liam Andrews sweepstakes. Uh, he committed last Friday, last Friday morning. Uh, I was just getting on my break, and I looked at Twitter, and I saw it's 11 o'clock, and there is Liam Andrews putting on a Penn State hat. So this guy, great offensive line prospect, great defensive line prospect. Uh, some people think he could be, he has the potential to be a better offensive lineman. He's at least going to start at Penn State as a defensive lineman. Um, big win for Deion Barnes. Big win for Deion Barnes. Um, Deion definitely cultivated a relationship with Liam and with Liam Andrews from. Uh, uh, from the time he got the job and he was working from behind with them and that's how he's been really with this whole class because uh, we didn't expect john scott jr to leave and uh dion hit hit the hit the ground running and uh this is a guy that i have been saying for the past few months now penn state has to get liam andrews they have to get him and it looks like they did uh he's from brookline massachusetts which I believe John F. Kennedy was from Brookline, Massachusetts. Um, and uh, you're seeing his film right now if you're watching on YouTube. And he's a he's a fantastic football player. He's going to be a good one here. So I'm excited. You're excited. We all should be excited. And uh, this is a guy who twitchy, can move well, um, and he's he's got good size. And speaking of size, T.A. Cunningham also committed on Saturday. Yeah, we'll get to him in just one second. Um, this is just one benefit of watching live on YouTube. You'll get to see some highlights as we uh, so we have them up there on the board. Um, just big get by Dion Barnes, right? I just this is a guy who was kind of on the board, then he kind of disappeared. Then, like we said many times now, he went and visited Wisconsin, went and visited South Carolina, didn't commit to either place, and then circled back to Penn State, and Penn State got the job done really was the number one target left on the board at this point. And that's no slight to anyone else. It's just how good this guy could be. Um, th this was the guy, kind of guy that kind of answers the bell, right? If you're if you're one of those people that really believe that Penn State got just absolutely manhandled against Michigan, which I don't, we don't subscribe completely to that. Uh, this is the kind of guy that you want Penn State to go get, right? Like this is, this this makes you feel better about the future of trying to top Michigan for the top dog in in the Big Ten East. Um, so anyway, uh, just just massive, right? Just just I mean, just massive. So um, yeah. You there? Yeah, I'm still here. Did did you lose me? Just for a second. Okay. I don't know if it's bad weather or not around here. I'm not I'm not sure what that's all about today. Yeah, it's 
clear out out here in Scranton, but it could be like a whole a different weird, world at State College. <laughs> yeah, we got like a weird little haze going on. But uh, uh, we can get to the next commit, Sean. You already mentioned T.A. Cunningham. Uh, just just another just crazy big get for Penn State. What do you got on him? Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, to start, T.A. Cunningham was a five-star guy just a year ago. And then he's had a really interesting um, route to Penn State. Um, he played high school football in California last year. He was, um, you know, he had some eligibility issues. Um, and I I don't, I, I don't know, I don't want to get into the exact details, but that's, you know, out in California. Like, he only played a few games, and when he did play, he, he wasn't that outstanding. But you look at his measurables. I mean, he is 6'6". He's, he's uh, 270-plus already, and he can move really, really well. Like, really well for a guy that's carrying that much weight. And the thing about him is... He still he 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 looks like he could still put on a lot more weight. I mean, I think he's by his freshman year, he's gonna be six six, two ninety plus, you know, with yeah, after a couple months with Chuck Lout with Chuck Losey. And um yeah, I I do I've liked some of his film. Uh he definitely was better he was definitely probably better his sophomore year than his junior year, but I'm very Which is a film we're currently watching on YouTube. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, those are highlights, so he's going to look good there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's he's going to – I I really like this guy, and he's definitely a guy worth, uh, worth taking. Uh, and if he could put it together his senior year, I think you could see him shoot right back up to, I don't know about five-star status, but definitely four, high four-star status. So – it was a nice get, and yeah, we're really it, the guys that could, guys that could uh, move as well as he does for being his size. They don't grow on trees, right? And I just yeah, the athleticism is is close to being five star level. I feel like, and that just means if he has some really solid production this upcoming year. Like he like you said, he's he's high four star guy. Um, just another big time. I mean, he only visited Penn State, which is just the other crazy thing. Like, he didn't yep. visit anywhere else. And to me, that's just unheard of nowadays. Like, I know, I, I know where I'm going. See ya. Only took one visit this spring. It was to Penn State, and the rest is history. Uh, we knew Miami was was involved there for a little bit, but couldn't get him on campus. And uh, and that was just kind of it. Which again kind of a kind of different than what we see nowadays and um and anyway that, that that's what we have on those two guys sean now that now that liam andrews and, and ta cunningham have wrapped up those are two guys we were focusing on a bunch i guess our attention most likely turns the defensive end jalen harvey at this point yeah yeah i mean <laughs> You know, the names that we've been talking about the past couple months now, it feels like we all know where they're going. Uh, we were able to get some of them, we lost some of them, and that, that that's how it goes in recruiting. And right now, uh, according to a service or two out there, we're number six in the country. I think Bama just passed us in the 24-7 rankings. 
Um, and yeah, now the board gets smaller. And I said a couple weeks back, I think we'll probably end up with 27 or 28 guys. And now I think we're at 24? 24. 24. Yeah, so 24 I still think we bring in six overall. Yeah, so I still think we bring in three, maybe four more. And one of those guys, hopefully, is Jalen Harvey. And it looked like for a while he was going to commit to Penn State, and then he took two other visits, and now I don't know where he's going. Uh, the crystal balls are still in for him for Penn State. They haven't flipped, and usually that's good. Uh, if you're, I mean, we all saw what happened with uh, with with some of the other guys, uh, where they were crystal ball to Penn State, and then a couple weeks later they switched. That never really happened with Jalen Harvey, so that makes me. That makes me feel better that he still ends up at Penn State, but I'm wondering, you know, the longer it goes with the guy that you feel good about, usually it doesn't end up working out for you. But I think right now Penn State's probably still the leader, but we will see. And then I think we we're probably going to be in the market to flip a couple a guy here or there, and we probably want a receiver and maybe another offensive lineman. And then we'll call it a class. Do you think there's a chance for 2024 four-star athlete, uh, Hardly Gilmore the fourth? It's down uh, Penn State, Kentucky, and UCF, and he's uh, committing on August 25th, a month from now. He probably goes to Kentucky, but you never know. Okay. Anyone else kind of keep an eye on? Uh, there's uh, that uh, Jordan, I think Jordan Paler. Um, Alex Taylor, but I don't know. I, I don't really feel like any of those guys are coming to Penn State, so it might be somebody that we haven't uh, that we haven't really discussed much yet. Okay, that's my feeling. But I do think we bring in one more receiver. They do have Junior Day upcoming this weekend as well, which is just an incredible amount of news. Um, I yeah, saw Ash Bash. And- yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw that 2026 defensive back Akeem Satterwhite is visiting. I saw 2025 quarterback um, Beckham. I can't read my own handwriting. Let me find out with his name real quick. I hate when you write something down and then you cannot for the life of you. Like some things I write down, it just literally looks like. Just rubbish. Just absolute rubbish. Um, Are you British? Is is British? Is rubbish only for British to say, to use? I don't think so. Beckham Kritza, 2025 quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 2025. Six foot five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 2025, guys, like I know uh, Ryan Montgomery from Ohio. That's a name that Penn State fans should know a little bit about. Um, but you all know how we work here. Really, we try to keep it a year at a time. But uh, this is the time that Franklin, you know, Franklin's and, and company probably have already started to turn their heads to 2025. I mean, obviously, you want to keep the 24 guys committed. We want everybody to sign, but as we said, we're probably only going to get three or four more commitments for this class. So, 
Uh, Lash Bash just happened. Uh, they're, you know, getting a lot of guys on campus, and there's going to be even more guys on campus for for the for the games in the fall. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd be yeah, and, and I think roughly around this time is when we slowly make that transition, right? Like, I mean, it's just right. We the nature of it. Um, a lot of a lot of 2024 guys are gonna want to have been committed before their senior year so it's just one less thing they have to think about um so we'll make that kind of transition as as the the coaching staff makes that transition as well um okay enough of that let's uh let's talk let's talk uh michigan shall we boo yes boo unless you, unless you don't want to we just not do it i mean like i'm cool with it if you're cool with it no. Um, Team up north, as they say. I guess the first thing we have to say about Michigan is Jim Harbaugh is going to be suspended for the first four games of the year. Yes. Uh, due to recruiting violations that occurred uh, during COVID, which, Sean, if I can just have the floor for a second, if that's cool with you. Go ahead. You got it. Let them cook. Let them, let them eat cake. Um, yeah, so... So Jim Harbaugh is going to be suspended for the first four games of the year, which, if you didn't know their schedule, it's East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers at home. That's the four games that he will miss. And those violations happened or occurred during COVID during a dead period. And what's so frustrating to me is Penn State didn't recruit very well during COVID. Couldn't get kids on campus. That is when James Franklin, you know, works his magic is when he can get kids on campus. He can show them all the benefits of Penn State and he can really make that kid feel special. That's just that's just how he works his magic. That's how he recruits so well. So obviously during COVID. Those visits didn't happen as much and they struggled on their own, not because of anything else, but it, it is very frustrating that Michigan was recruiting dead period violations, which means they were communicating with recruits when they weren't supposed to, and recruited very well compared to Penn State during that same time period because you, those classes or maybe the, the beginning of those classes have helped them have success the last couple of years. Now, I'm not putting the recruiting violations on why Michigan has won back-to-back Big Ten championships and Penn State hasn't. But it is frustrating when you think about it this way, that those violations happened when Penn State didn't recruit well. And now all Michigan is going to get disciplined for is not having their head coach for East Carolina, UNV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. I mean, Michigan doesn't play a very good team until November this year. They do lose their offensive coordinator uh, for, for a game, but I'm pretty sure they'll get through East Carolina if I coach that team. So a, a big-time slap on the wrist. I understand how it works. Like, they're going to spend them for the first four games. It doesn't matter who those first four games are against, whatever. Um, it's frustrating when you compare it to where Penn State was in the recruiting world during COVID to what Michigan was disciplined for for, for, for violating those those rules. Yeah, and look, there's been a lot of discourse 
on the Twitter sphere and on the message boards about, oh, cheeseburger or, you know, all this stuff. And guys, that's not why Jim Harbaugh got suspended. Jim Harbaugh didn't get suspended because he bought a kid a cheeseburger or because he met with this guy in the time that you're not supposed to. That's not why he got suspended. He got suspended number. He got suspended because he lied to the NCAA. That's it. That's the reason he got suspended. And if there's one thing the NCAA has proven year after year after year, if you lie to them, they will drop the hammer on you, at least a little bit. Jim Trestle lost his job and never coached again because his players got got some, they got some money for tattoos or they got free tattoos or and he lied about it to the NCA. That's it. That's the only reason he never coached again. That's why he got fired. Bruce Pearl at the University of Tennessee, their uh, basketball coach, and now he's the basketball coach at Auburn. He got suspended for having for lying about having Aaron Kraft who played 19 years at Ohio State, over his house for a cookout. He got, you know, they will crack down on you if you lie to them, if you mislead them. So all this, so anytime I hear a Michigan fan talking about, oh, you got suspended because you got to get a cheeseburger, man. No, he got suspended because he lied to the NCAA. Period. And, you know, is it the is it the most egregious thing in the world? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I think there's a sneaky way to get around NCA uh, to get around the rules, and they might have been a little more egregious than most in what they in what they did and having contact when they shouldn't have, but. I'm not going to pretend like they were the only ones doing it, but when you get caught, you have to cooperate. Where the NCAA has a track record of cracking down on people who don't cooperate with them. And that's just what they did with Jim Harbaugh. So uh, I don't think they're going to miss him all that much, but it is a distraction for them to start the year. Yeah, Uh, let's, let's talk more about Michigan itself. Probably the best team on Penn State schedule. We agree there, don't we? We do. Yes. Okay. They were 13 and 1 last year, 9 and 0 in the Big 10. Jim Harbaugh's been there for going on his ninth year, I believe, which is just crazy in its own right. Um, does that sound right? Yeah, he got there the year after Franklin was there. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Franklin went against Hoka's first year. That's right. That's right. Um, this is insane to me. On offense, we'll talk offense first. Number one in Big Ten rush offense the last two years. Uh, just to compare that to their defense, their defense has been top five rush defense in the Big Ten the last two years. So their their strategy is simple for people at home. Run the ball well and stop the run well. And and that's pretty much what they did the last two years. Their offense is pretty much the same as it was last year. It's going to be the exact same thing. They've got their quarterback back in J.J. McCarthy, who I will say this. I don't think he is as amazing as, as some people think he is. But I will say this. He is better than what they've had ever before the last under Jim Harbaugh. 
Like he, they've had a lot of really mediocre quarterbacks. He is better than that, but I am not putting him in the same group as like the Ohio state quarterbacks of the past. Like to me, he's not a Justin Fields. He's not even, even probably a CJ Stroud. He, he, he doesn't throw the ball as well as Haskins did. He, he's not in that company, but he is serviceable, but I mean, first of all, the TCU game speaks for itself as far as him practically giving the game away. And although he had a really good game against Ohio State, he had one or two wide open receivers that ran a, a long time after the catch. Um, and I think one Ohio State player fell down. He, the best thing he can do, Sean, in my opinion, is his mobility. That, to me, is what makes him really good for this offense because it was the read option. It was the pistol formation play action bootleg. It was that third and four where he was able to get around Curtis Jacobs to pick up the sticks and early in the third quarter. Like those are the plays that he can make. That is what Harbaugh and this offense needed to keep them on schedule every once in a while, but don't lose focus of what Michigan is. Michigan is a run it down your throat. Schematically, they will do it different ways. I, I I think people always forget, Sean, about like Harbaugh when he was with the 49ers and the different formations they ran and the different ways they got their guys an advantage schematically. Harbaugh is very good at doing that in his power run game. I kudos to him for that because he's very good at getting his guys in space. Um and, and we saw that with Blake Corum last year. Blake Corum had the uh, meniscus tear. He had almost 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns before that. Donovan Edwards is his backup. We both agreed and said last year we thought Edwards was actually a better NFL talent. I think everyone else has kind of come along with that now and agrees with us. Um, but that's what this offense is. They, they, they are a power run team. J.J. McCarthy is going to run as well. He had 306 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. But they are going to run the rock with Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum and then just do enough elsewhere so they can go back to running the football more. Um, they bring in Ladarius Henderson, an offensive tackle, transfer from Arizona State. I think that's a big-time get for them. But they do lose one of my favorite players in center, Olu Oluwatimi, who was – he was a stud at Virginia before he even went to Michigan, Sean. Like, this guy was already really, really good. I think – I don't know if he won the Remington winner. Yeah, he did win it before. Okay, I knew he was a finalist at Virginia. I don't remember if he won. So yeah, he was already really good, Um, and and then he went to Michigan. So they're gonna have to clean up some things there. They've got some really good guard play there, but don't lose focus of what Jim Harbaugh wants to be schematically. How can I get my guys an advantage in the power run game? That's what they're gonna be on offense. They don't really have anything crazy exciting on on the receiving core, in my opinion. Um, Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson are good. I think they're serviceable, but I'm not, you know, we're not talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. or um, Emeka Mbuka, but uh, it's going to be a power run game, John. That's what I think about their offense. Yeah, I mean... I think you I think you put it I think you put it really, really well. So Harbaugh loves the power offense, always has. Uh but like you said, he's creative with how he does it. It's not just like watching Iowa or watching Wisconsin even where oh old Wisconsin where they just, you know, put three tight ends in the game. Like, no, he 
uses a lot of pre-snap motion. He'll and he's just very good at getting his athletes in the best play in the best positions to go and make plays, and that's what they do. Uh, it's going to start with their running backs uh, and their offensive line. Uh, I think Donovan Edwards. Yeah, I think he's the better. I I think he's a better back right now than Blake Quorum. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, I watched them both a lot last year. Watched them both a lot last year, running away from our guys, <laughs> and Edwards scared me more. And uh, Quorum is coming off an ACL injury. Um, you don't know if he's going to have that same uh, twitchiness to him uh, or same speed just coming off that injury, but I'm still expecting him to be very, very good, very productive. Uh, yeah, and I feel like we feel very similar about J.J. McCarthy. He could be, he could make a lot of, he could make a lot of really nice throws, but he could be reckless at times. Uh, the TCU game, he kind of gave the game away in the first half. And if you remember, we had a long preview before the Michigan game last year. And what we said was, if you could get up on these guys by a couple scores, they're in trouble. Because they like to get up on you, or even if it's a tied game going into halftime, Jim Harbaugh is very comfortable there, because he just thinks, I'm going to wear these guys down. If they have to come from behind, they're, they're going to have a tough time doing it. Um, and yeah, I mean, they bring, you know, you, you look at their offensive line, uh, Zach Center is a very, very good offensive line. And so is Trevor Keegan. Uh, I agree with you. They, they went to work in the transfer portal and, um, brought in some, brought in a couple quality guys. Um, and that's, that's going to be, that's going to be where the magic's made. That's going to be where the magic happens. Uh, receivers, I'm pretty underwhelmed by them, frankly. Like, I, I, I think, I think we have better receivers than they do. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent necessarily sold on our guys, and, uh, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, I mean, they're good players, but I'm not going to be up late at night, uh, the Friday before the game worrying about, worrying about their receivers, uh, they did lose both their uh, big-time tight ends last year. Eric Alt is uh, out at Iowa now, and Luke Schoonmaker's in the NFL. Uh, I think they were both very, very helpful to their offense last year, both uh, in the passing game and in the run game. So it's still a very good offense. They're going to be a lot like they were last year, but th- with just a couple new faces. But, you know, like I said, the key is get out in front of them. Yeah, and that whole get out in front of them thing, it it really plays into the they don't have a chance to wear you out if they're having to throw the ball a little bit more. I mean, that Correct. that's 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 Correct. exactly what it comes down to and it is very hard to beat Michigan if you are trying to box with them for four quarters. It's just it's just not going to be fun for you, but if you're able to like you said get out a little bit, you have a better chance. Um defensively, Sean, they're going to be really good. But I do have a couple question marks um, that I'm curious about. They they lose two of the probably top 10, top five best defensive uh, front seven defensive line players in the Big Ten last year and Mozzie Smith and Mike Morris. I think Mike Morris like won almost every defensive award he could in the Big Ten. Um, both of those guys were studs. And 
I know they're filling in with with plenty. Uh, Chris Jenkins is going to be really good as well. They bring in Josiah Stewart from Coastal Carolina to mention another transfer portal guy that they brought in. Uh, but those are two big pieces. Like, I'm trying to think of of a defensive tackle like Mozzie Smith that Penn State has lost in recent years. But but he was he's a he's a big time guy. Um, it's kind of like losing PJ Mustafer, and it's no offense to him, but losing PJ Mustafer um, to his injury. That's kind of the equation to me. Um, they're linebackers, though, I will admit, probably some of the best in the Big Ten, if not the country, and Junior Colson and Michael Barrett, 173 tackles combined last year. That's where you got to feel good if you're Michigan. You have some really good linebackers there. Uh, and then in your secondary, Everyone loves Will Johnson at corner. Like the Will Johnson hype, Sean, is just insane right now. Um, they bring in Josh Wallace from UMass, who I, we actually mentioned when we were previewing UMass. And then their safeties are, are the same with with uh, where they were at last year with Rod Moore and Mike Saren still. But this defense, uh, I don't think is immortal. We saw what TCU was able to do to them last year. And I just felt like Penn State, in whatever you want to call that game, was just, that was just an anomaly. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't really know what happened because I just felt like it happened so fast. But I really think getting to play this defense at home will really help this offense as far as the rhythm, as far as the snap count, those things go a long way when you're playing against this Michigan defense and they'll, and they'll have that in their back pocket. Yeah. I think the offense, our offense is going to be playing with something to prove uh, because they were rather punchless last year against Michigan. Uh, there is the big uh, scamper from Sean Clifford, but I, I think, and there was a decent pass down the sideline to Harrison Wallace, I believe. But other than that, I mean, we just didn't get anything going against them last year at all. I mean, we were just stalled. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, losing a guy like Amazi Smith, uh, who went, who was a first-round draft pick last year by the Cowboys, and uh, losing Mike Morris, uh, their, their edge guy, yeah, those are two gigantic losses. Uh, DJ Turner. Uh, who's in the NFL now. I forget where he was drafted, but he was a first or second round pick. Uh, those were two sta- or three staples in the defense. Uh, like us, though, I think they're definitely going to be able to reload. Uh, I do I do like Chris Jenkins quite a bit. Uh, like you said, uh, Stewart from uh, Coastal Carolina. Uh, I think that, you know, again, I think Michigan kind of uses the transfer portal like Penn State does. They don't recruit like extensively from it, but they, you know, they they use it to fill in uh, fill in pieces, and that's I think the best way to do it, and that's what the best schools tend to do. Uh, yeah, Junior Colson, we talked about a lot about him last year, uh, both before and after the game. Uh, he's really really good talent. I really like that kid, uh, Michael Barrett, and then uh, they have a Nebraska. Uh, transfer in Houseman coming in. So I think that linebacking core is among the best in the country. And um, 
yeah, they're two, they're two safeties. I was really impressed by them last year, too. Uh, Sanders still, I believe he was the guy. I think he started as a receiver and then went to the defensive backfield. Uh, and he impressed me a lot in last year's game. So, yeah, they're really good. Uh, they're going to get after you. Um, you know, they, well, they're going to, like you said, they're going to stop the run. I do wonder a little bit about them being able to rush the quarterback. And if, you know, like losing Mozzie and um, losing um, Morse. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to replace. It's going to be hard to replace those two. Uh, but I still think this is going to be among the best defenses in the Big Ten and maybe even in the country. Yeah, I actually have that exact same note, Sean. I literally have, is the pass rush good enough? Question mark. Yeah. Um, because that to me, they didn't have a, they had a bunch of TFLs last year, uh, but they didn't have a bunch of sacks. Um, obviously, they, I don't think they have what they had two years ago um, for that matter. Uh, no. Linebacker, yeah. Uh, yeah. The only other thing I want to mention is that they lose special teams wise? They lose one of the best to do it, and and kicker yep. Jake Moody, uh, just seemed like Mister Automatic. They bring in a transfer, James Turner, from Louisville, so just another chance to say Louisville. So we had to make sure to throw <laughs> that in there. Um, but that's a seriously a big time. Like Jake Moody was was stoic when he was out there kicking, like just just stone face, just go out there and get the job done. Uh, I think he nailed a pretty. Did he he nailed a field goal against Illinois at some point late, I think, to help them win, beat that. Yeah, he had the game winner. Yeah, they don't beat Illinois without him. Yeah, because I think he kicked multiple in that game. Um, but he's made some he's made some serious kicks in his in his tenure. So um he got picked, I think, what in the third round in the NFL draft? I think that's right. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh yeah. so and it's yeah, not often we there. talk about special teamers, but I mean he was one to talk about and he was he was a game changer in some games last year. Like I said, I don't think they beat Illinois without him. So right. any other final thoughts on Michigan? I mean, they play Penn State. It's gonna be it's gonna be a noon kick. Take that for what you will. Uh they miss Wisconsin, they miss Illinois, and they miss Iowa. So yeah, they have a rather soft schedule. <laughs> I mean, as soft as you could get in the Big Ten East, I should say, because they still got to play us. They still got to play Ohio State, and we're going to get into Michigan State. <laughs> but Michigan yeah. State tends to always play their best game against Michigan. Right. Uh, there was a lot of bad blood last year that oh, I think yeah, could carry crazy over this year. Into, this, into this season. So I'm going to give Michigan State a puncher's chance in that game. But, yeah, if they lose any less than 10 games, I'd be shocked. So uh, when you combine, you know, soft-ish schedule with the kind of talent they have and how well-coached they are, uh, yeah, they're going to be a contender. I mean, no doubt about it. And it's – if we could get by Ohio State and get to Michigan, assuming we don't lose another game – Man, that's going to be a crazy game to be at. And I know it's at noon, and I, we talked about the noon thing ad nauseum and how much I hate it, but that's it doesn't matter if it's going to be played at 7 a.m. 
I mean, that's going to be a crazy game to be at. So, right. yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm nervous. I'm nervously excited for it. If that makes sense. Long, long way to go. Long way to go. Yes. Uh, let's switch to Rutgers. All right, let's go to Michigan State. Um, no, uh, Rutgers four and eight last year, one and eight in the Big Ten. You know, if you combine Greg Schiano's two stints now at Rutgers, he's been there for fifteen total years. So, fun fact for you there. I did not know that. However, uh, un- under his tenure, zero and nine. Versus Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. And he's been outscored 42 to 15 during those games. So not not great there, Sean. No, no. And it's important to note uh, for those who don't, who don't remember, or God, those who might not even have been alive, uh, Shigano coached Rutgers when they were in the Big East. So it was always, you know, the Big East was a fun conference to watch. Like they had a lot of cool Thursday night games, but I mean, there was there were no powerhouses out there at the time. West Virginia was probably the best team year in and year out, and they were not on Mich- uh, modern day Michigan, Ohio State, or even a Penn State level. So, yeah, I mean, it's always going to be a struggle. When you're a little undermanned and you're inheriting a mess and you're playing against teams like Penn State, like Michigan, like Ohio State, I think a realistic expectation for a team like Rutgers this year would be try to be competitive, at least somewhat with them. And I think it's going to start with them. I mean, you know, I think their defense is going to be fine, but it's the big question mark going into this year will be their offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can. Speaking of offense, what a perfect time to bring up former Penn State offensive coordinator Kirk Chiraka. Oh, yes. Who went back to Minnesota and you betcha is now at Rutgers. Do you know how much they're paying him? I do not. $1.4 million. Wow, for Kirk Chiraka. For Kirk Chiraka. Say that for what you will. Um, I don't think he got a fair shot at Penn State. We've talked about that before. Yes, I agree. But um, very happy with having Mark, Mike Yersich, um at this stage. The, I, you know, you talked about the offense seeming to be better. And this kind of sums it up perfectly. They were four and two when the offense scored at least 16 points. So the offense can just do anything. It gives them a pretty good chance to win some football games against most of the teams on their schedule. Um they also bring a new offensive line coach and a new wide receivers coach. So the offense is getting a rehaul. Um, and they desperately need it. They average 13 points per game if you don't include that Wagner game. So just just not good last year on offense. Um, Holland Pierce, offensive tackle, was at right tackle, now moving to left tackle. Probably one of their best players on offense. Um, they do lose another offensive lineman to Louisville. So two mentions of Louisville tonight. Um, and then they bring in <laughs> Western Illinois wide receiver Nassim Brantley, who's six foot four, who had 893 yards on 54 catches and nine touchdowns last year. So that's the only bright spot on the receiving position because they lose three other 
productive wide receivers. Um, so they don't have a lot going for them in the receiving department, which stinks because, Sean, their quarterback situation. Are you a believer in Gavin Wimsat? I mean, what has he shown to believe to, for us to believe in, <laughs> you know? Uh, I think he was a decent recruit out of high school, but, man, oh, man. I mean, the guy, only he, he completed less than 50% of his passes last year, which was uh, the second worst um, among, you know, among FBS, court, uh, uh, you know, eligible FBS quarterbacks. I mean... You're not winning with those numbers, Corey. You're just not. No, no. He um And I mean you never know. Maybe Evan Simon beats him out. Right, right. They've got they've got some other options there as well. Evan Simon threw for three hundred yards against Iowa for whatever that means, but he also threw a lot of interceptions, if I remember correctly. So uh do have a Johnny Shepard. Who's a, a recruit there, six foot three, two hundred thirty pounds, who will at least be in a conversation. But if I had to guess, I'm assuming Gavin Wimsett probably gets the nod, but uh, we'll see that. They do have two decent running backs in Sam Brown and Kyle Manungai, who I'm pretty sure we struggled to say his name last year. But just overall, the offense is overwhelming, and they're going to try to run the ball, shorten the game, and just not give the ball to Gavin Wimsat to throw. I just don't know how effective that's going to be. I don't know if Kirk Sharaka is going to be creative enough. I don't really know if this offense is going to be that much better, Sean. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Sharaka, you could say a lot about him. Uh, creative is not one of them. And I, I think that might even be something that he embraces, that he he's not... He's not a, the, the classic mad scientist offensive coordinator. He is more of, all right, we're gonna do, we're gonna kiss a lot. So what does kiss mean? Keep keep it simple, stupid, and that's fine if you have the people to do it. And I I I, I don't really think Kirk in my mind. I don't think Kirk Sharaka is the best fit for what Rutgers should be trying to do. Because if you're just going to run, you know, generic, uh, you know, kind of a generic uh, off-brand, non-exciting offense, this really isn't the kind of talent you want to do it with. I think you, in, in my mind. So... Maybe he has some of that 2019 Tanner Morgan magic with uh, with with with, um, with Wimsat, but I I don't see this offense being very good next year, Corey. No, and that's a good point about Kirk Sharaka and like the right fit. If he if Iowa was smart and they would have fired Brian Ferentz, I think Kirk Sharaka would have been a fantastic fit at Iowa. You Me know too. what I mean? Yep. Like it just but. And honestly, I don't think he should have probably left Minnesota, but that's that's besides the point. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that, but it's each their own. Um, defensively, they bring back seven starters on defense. Doesn't include Edge Muhammad Torre, who um, tore his ACL last year. He's back. He really important player. I think he led the team in sacks in 2020 and 2021. So getting him back is big time. They got cornerback Max Melton back, who's also very good. 
uh, Robert Longerbeam, which is the best name that you'll hear on the show today at corner. He's back. Um, they do get, which I don't know why he's named this. They get a safety from Minnesota, and his name is Michael Flip Dixon. And he flipped from Minnesota and came to Rutgers. Like that, you can't write that any bit better. Damn. Now, if I was, if I was you a beat recruit, me to the pun. oh, I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> um, but if I was a recruit or if I was coaching this kid or uh, recruiting this kid as a, as a college coach, I'd be terrified. I don't want Flip to commit to my team too early. I don't want him to get flipped. <laughs> So I don't know that the I don't know about all that. Um, good defense though, Sean. Like Aaron Lewis at defensive end is good. Wesley Bailey's good at defensive end. Uh, between Aaron Lewis and Wesley Bailey, they combined for sixteen TFLs and five sacks. So they they they've got some good stuff going on there. Linebacker Tyreen Powell. They do lose. I think one of our favorite players in Avery Young. But overall, Sean, I'm feeling pretty good about this defense. The problem with this defense was they weren't good in the red zone and they didn't get any turnovers. So you kind of have to do those things if you want to be elite. We've seen even Penn State defenses in the past not do good in the turnover department. And not if you can't create turnovers, you're not going to be ever considered elite. And so they've got to do better in the turnover department. And that would also help their offense tremendously. So otherwise, though, I mean, their defense is good enough to get to seven, six wins. It's like you said, it's going to be up to the offense. Yeah, I mean, I think this defense is fine. I I really do. I think they're I think they're going to be better than they were last year, and they're pretty darn good last season. Uh, I really like Aaron Lewis. He used to play at. Uh, he began his career at Michigan. Uh, Penn State actually recruited him. Um, Max Melton. I think that guy's probably an NFL cornerback I, I think that highly about him uh yeah Tyreen Powell another good player uh Moses Walker who uh came down to Penn State Rutgers he sadly picked Rutgers he he was off to a good start last season he also ended up getting a season-ending injury and uh but I think he's he's very promising and like you said they get Torre back so I think this defense is gonna be better than last year's and um if they had an offense worth anything, yeah, this is definitely a team that would that could go to a bowl game. And um, when you're a school like Rutgers, especially when you're building, that's all that that's real. That's a realistic goal to go seven and five, and you know, go to try to sneak into a floor into a New Year's Day bowl. Or uh, at the very least, go to the pinstripe bowl. Uh, you you play right across the bridge, and um, you know if they could get anything from their offense, yeah, this defense could definitely take them to seven or eight wins. Last thing I'll say on Rutgers, they lose punter Adam Corsack, Ray Guy Award winner, had a hundred and fifty punts without a touchback at one point. Damn, it's crazy. Crazy. That, that sounds impossible. Right? I mean, it <laughs> kind of is. Um, so, yeah, that's all I want to say about Rutgers. Look, I mean, I think they got – oh, I want to say they have Virginia Tech this year at home. Big, big game for Brent Pry and company versus yes. versus Rutgers there. Uh, both teams really need to win that game to kind of get things back on track. So that's, that's a low-key, really big game. That's on 
I don't know. I didn't write the date down. Sometime in September. How about that? I don't think it's right off the bat. No, because they play, they play Northwestern to start the year. So they they definitely uh, they don't get Virginia Tech right away. But that's a big time game out of conference. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Brent Pry, he's going to be trying to right the ship there, uh, and they play September sixteenth. It's a three thirty kick. So okay, there's another big game September sixteenth. It's a good segue into Michigan State. They play Washington also on September sixteenth. Yes. So um, two big games there for the Big Ten versus non-conference opponents. Michigan State five and seven last year, three and six in the conference. Mel Tucker's been there for five years, or excuse me. What is it now? Uh, 20, 21, 22. Five years. Uh, four years. Four years. Yeah, I think he started in the COVID year. Okay. That sounds right. Um, Sean, for being a defensive guy, and we had this conversation around this time last year, I don't think Mel Tucker's very good at coaching defense. I don't think he's very good at developing defense. I'm just going to say it. Um, this defense only had two interceptions last year. Two. More importantly, last year's defense was 101st in the country. The year before that, they were dead last 110th. Like, they have way too much talent to be that bad at defense. And I'm just, I'm baffled by how bad this Michigan State defense has been because usually their defense is on, under Mark D'Antoni, D'Antonio. Denton, Den, I Dantonio. never get that. Thank you. Never could get that right. Um, we're always we're always at least difficult. Michigan State's defense has not been even difficult for offenses lately, and I don't really know if it's going to get any better. I mean, they have two studs at linebacker that are very very good, and Jacoby Whitman, who transferred in last year, and Cal Halliday, both of those guys, fantastic. But the rest of the team, I don't really know. But those two guys are absolute studs. Everyone else, I'm not really sure of. They got Charles Brantley at corner, who's pretty solid. They have no idea what they're going to do at safety. They lose Xavier Henderson, who played a bunch of football for them at safety. And that just, to me, just doesn't make things any better. That I mean, maybe you don't want people that have been there for a while since they haven't been good in the secondary. I don't really know. Um, but I got some big question marks. Um, the defensive end from Texas A&M. Tuni Masi'i, is that how you say it? I don't know. And and his last name is Adele. Adele? We'll go with it. Lord, that's so bad. Uh, six foot four, two ninety. Didn't play very much last year. He got banged up, but he could be a stud for them. Otherwise, I mean, what are we doing here? I will say this about not just the defense, but in totality. Mel Tucker claims that quote, this is the best transfer class he has assembled. And just remind yourself that Kenneth Walker was a part of the transfer class a couple of years ago from Wake Forest. So that's saying a lot, if you ask me. But um, but yeah, Sean, not not really terrified of this defense. No, that's kind of the understatement of the year. Um, and yeah, I mean, we had a Mel Tucker, a very famous Mel Tucker versus Mike, Mike Loxley discussion last year. Very famous in the history of hardcore Penn State football. And, I mean, at some point, you can't defend Mel Tucker and his defensive ineptitude. Even the year that they, uh, you know, went, won the Peach Bowl, 
their defense still wasn't very good. And last year it got ugly at times. Um, and I agree with you. I really like Winman. Uh, I think he's, again, an NFL guy like Cal Holiday. Linebacker, they're going to be fine. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't like the secondary. Mel Tucker has not had a good secondary since he's been at Michigan State. Uh, I think the year in 2021, they were dead last in the country. <laughs> so, and I, I just, I, I'm not a believer. Um, you know, uh, Charles Brantley is out there, uh, Samir Melvin, but... Like you said, to only two interceptions last year. And if you're not causing turnovers, I mean, you better at least be stout and be a bend but don't break defense. And they they are not. And yeah, I don't I don't think there's a whole lot I don't think there's a whole lot to like about this defense, Corey. I think it could be another long year for the Spartans defensively. Yeah, now we can switch over to offense, and that this is really where I get worried about Michigan State because they had some building pieces to work off of coming out of last year, and, and they've lost that as well. Last second, quarterback Peyton Thorne, who we both didn't think was amazing, but he had veteran experience and could do some good things, bolted to Auburn to go hang out with Hugh Freeze. He's leaving behind 6,000 yards and 46 touchdowns in his career. Then they lose wide receiver Keon Coleman to Florida State, and he also had about 800 yards and 58 catches last year. So those two guys just really sting, uh, especially when you consider that they lost Jaden Reed to the NFL. He actually met up with with John Clifford at Green Bay. Um, But now you have a quarterback battle, and you weren't really expecting to have one at Michigan State. You got Noah Kim who is more of an athlete guy, 73% completion percentage. And you got redshirt freshman Caden Hauser, who should be a stud. Uh, Redshirt freshman there should be eventually a stud, depending on if he plays this year or next year. But now you have uncertainty at the quarterback position. You lose some receivers. Trey Mosley is the best guy you have coming back. Uh, If you want to feel old, they also have Antonio Gates Jr. um, And they bring in Alante Brown, the Nebraska transfer. But, that is a lot of guys that if you just casually watch football, have no idea who I just mentioned. So uh, take that for what you will. Jalen Berger's back at running back, but we were never huge fans of Jalen Berger to begin with. I mean, he's serviceable, but he's not Kenneth Walker by any stretch. Um, they do have a couple uh, offensive guard. J.D. Duplain is, is solid. Um, but I'm just I'm looking at this offense and I'm not it's not Rutgers bad, but. Honestly, you could go look at the Indiana offense and 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 maybe honestly feel better about some of the weapons that Indiana brought in and and some of the guys they have back and and maybe convince yourself that their offense might even be better. It's it's very unknown right now, Sean. And I mean, it is hard. It is I would stay away from trying to bet on Michigan State this year because who knows what they're going to be, but it's hard to imagine them getting over seven wins like getting the eight if they get to eight wins my mind on mel tucker mel tucker will completely flip yeah this this doesn't look this looks like a six win football team to me um yeah and noah kim i mean we just don't know a whole lot about uh and 
it was weird. I remember the morning that Peyton Thorne and Keon Coleman both hit the portal. They hit it on the same day. And it was it was just bizarre. And they already lost Jaden Reed. And, you know, the, the Coleman and Reed, I, I remember going into the game last year. They were really the two guys I was worried about with Michigan State. Because they both could wreak havoc. And we know that Michigan State always seems to have a random receiver that just falls out against Penn State. Uh, there's nobody really there that scares me. Uh, I, you know, Trey Mosley really doesn't uh, terrify me all that much. Uh, their tight ends, I think, will be decent, uh, and I do like their and I and I do think their line is going to be better. So if there's one thing to be excited about, maybe that uh, Jalen Berger's back again, didn't really, it, it didn't impress me all that much last year, but yeah, I, I think Corey, I told you I was going to come back to you with who do I think is going to be better between Maryland and Michigan state. I think it's going to be the Terrapins. I think, we're going to fear that I think we're both going to, I think Michigan state's going to fear the turtle a little bit this year. Yeah. And they, they play pretty early this year. So we'll, we'll know pretty early on, on whether or not who's going to be right there. Um, yeah, I, they have I agree. a tough schedule too. Um, I agree with you. I, I think that's a, uh, that's a hundred percent the right decision. I, I think Maryland, especially just from the quarterback situation, right? Like, Got to feel a lot better about the quarterback situation if you're Maryland than Michigan State right now, at the very least. So, um, no, I, I'm with you there. Uh, they got to beat Washington somehow. It just seems like they're going to slip up against somebody, so if they don't get all the wins they can. I mean, I, they lost to Indiana last year in overtime, just to, just to keep – and I don't know if they have even as good of a team as they had last year, so – can't have any slip ups like that if they're trying to go into a uh, into a bowl game. Yeah, it looked like Christmas when they played last year. Why is that? Uh, the the green and red with the snow coming down. Oh yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Good re- good reminder there, Sean. That's what I'm here for. Um, we can get into some fan questions, Sean. And. Uh, I will going to try to record these so we can put them on our social media. Yeah, let's uh, do it. I'm just having some issues with my camera. It's okay. You're allowed to have one issue given the state of... And the, by the way, the computer's working fine now, so I just... I don't... I wonder if that was the reason why we had a couple little hiccups today as well. I don't know if it was just getting too hot. not really sure. Yeah, it could be. Um... We're waiting for Sean to get his stuff figured out. But yeah, no, I, I think Michigan State's gonna be in trouble. I think I don't I don't have the guts to say Rutgers is gonna finish better than them, but if I did, I would consider it. Um I would consider Indiana potentially doing better than Michigan State as well. I, I just I have no idea what to expect from Michigan State. So I am hundred percent on the wait and see kind of thing. Um because because who knows there. Um Anyway, yeah, I'm not ready to say Rutgers, but I mean, like I said, you look at Michigan State's schedule. They got Washington. Penn State is a neutral site game now. They do host uh, 
Michigan. And like I said, that's a rivalry game. That's a heated rivalry game. I'll always give them a puncher's chance. But um, last year, they didn't have a helmet swing chance. And uh, and they got to go to Columbus. So, And they got to go to Iowa. I mean, I just think it's going to be tough sledding. And, I mean, Tuck might be losing. Yeah. Um, fan question time. Thank you for the fan questions again at Hardcore PSUFB on Twitter. I guess you can DM us there. If you can't DM us there, DM us on Instagram or shout out your questions on Twitter. We'll get taken care of them um, for sure. Really going to start getting like the, the 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 real fun questions as we approach August next week. Um, but uh, yeah, we're getting there. First questions from Dorito Bandit. Oh, I also asked, second question I asked was your favorite player from the 90s. Um, so Dorito Bandit says his favorite player is Courtney Brown because LeVar was an easy answer. And then he has two questions for us. So his first question, are we concerned about the quarterback quote-unquote battle or is it 99% coach speak? We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. Sean, we agree, 99% coach speak, correct? I think it's 100% coach speak. There you go. Uh, agree there 100%. Not concerned about that at all. Second question, do you think this defense will be Georgia 2021 good or close to it? Ten and a half points per game allowed. That's, I mean, jeez. <laughs> that's a lot. I, I think this defense is going to be good. I think their defense could even be better than last year. But, no. I don't think it's going to be 2021 20, Georgia defense good. They had, I don't know how many people taken um if you count the two drafts now together but i mean i think philadelphia the eagles have like half of those guys um no i i i don't think it's going to be that good i do will say this you really could have depending on what curtis jacobs does this year you could have potentially three defenders taken in the first round next year curtis jacobs has been a under the radar guy for the nfl right now as far as where he could go Kalen King, first rounder, don't want to jinx it. Chop Robinson, first rounder, don't want to jinx it. I think Curtis Jacobs, if he plays well, the production's there. Now that he has some other linebackers around him to support him, I think his numbers could be really, really good. So, no, not that good, but I think they're going to get the respect they deserve in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I've... I've never seen, and I know this will make some people mad, and, you know, oh, SEC, SEC. I've never seen a defense that good north of the Mason-Dixon line, just in general. And I've seen some great Penn State defenses, some great Ohio State, some great Michigan defenses. But I just with that level of talent that Georgia had, I mean, like Corey said, half the Philadelphia Eagles starting defense was on that team. Like, that's kind of insane. <laughs> and the rest of them are either starters somewhere else or they are second string. I mean, that's unheard of. I think the only comp that I could think of, I mean, there is maybe an Alabama defense or two is probably the Miami 01 defense that I've seen. That, that, that I mean, I was very young with Miami 01. That, that's been in my lifetime. Uh so, no, I don't think it'll be that good, but I do think they're going to be really, really good. Uh, and there's there's plenty of pro talent on this defense. 
uh, think Abdul Carter, Kalen Kane, Chop Robinson, uh, Deny Dennis Sutton. They're going to be playing football for a long, long time. And do I think they're championship level defense? I mean, obviously time will tell, but yeah, I think they have the ability to be. Yeah. And that's really what matters. Yeah, I'd throw Adisa Isaac in there as well. I don't know if he could be a first rounder, but Me I think too. he'd go in the in the second day. Um, sure. Next question. Next question here is from R. Scats. Do you believe athletic director Patrick Kraft is doing well so far? Have faith in him for the future? Uh, favorite player Lou Benfati was also a favorite from the 90s. Hope he's not forgotten. Um, that was out of left field there, R. Scats. So we appreciate that. Um, I think he put a fa- uh, a picture of him as well, but we talked about this a little bit, so we don't need to talk too much into it. I do have faith in Patrick Kraft. I, I do think he is the right man for the job. We said this earlier. He 100% talks the talk. I think it was right to criticize exactly how all the Shrewsbury stuff went down, but I do think he has Penn State in a better place than when he took it over. And more importantly, it seems like he has Penn State better aligned, which I think is maybe the more important aspect of this. So, yes, I think he's doing well. Um, but there's there's more difficult days to come in his tenure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's too soon to say. Uh, it's it's kind of like judging a president after one year. I mean, I don't think it's really fair to do that um, uh, unless things have been disastrous. And I don't think things have been disastrous with Patrick Kraft by any stretch of the imagination. Um, You know, obviously, and we talked about it earlier in the show, losing Shrewsbury, uh, but you replace him with Mike Rhodes. And I do think, uh, to reiterate a little bit of what I said, I do think he... He realizes the time he's an AD in, and that's important. And he's adaptable. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of energy. And I think that's the kind of personality you need for the future of uh, of college sports in general, not just college football, but college sports in general. And time will tell. Time will tell. All right, let's go to our next question here. Next question is from Einstein Von Braun. His favorite 90s player is Kajana Carter. His question, what is one under-the-radar player that will be a household name by the end of the year? Sean, I'm going to be very nice to you, and I'm going to let you go first either side of the ball and I'll clean up at your mess <laughs> under the radar. It's going to be a household name. Now a household name that that's saying a lot. I mean, I don't really consider Tony Rojas under the radar. Would you don't say Tony Rojas? Cause we're going to talk about him with a different question. Okay. Then I won't. Maybe I'll go Zachy Wheatley. I mean, his ability to cause turnovers, to, you know, just has a nose for the football 
And he was a backup last year. He still played a lot, but it felt like when he was on the field, there was always a chance that he could uh, that he could cause turnover. I think he's going to try to fill in some of, I think, you know, those safeties, they're going to play a bunch of them. And I think he's going to try to fill in a lot of what Tig Brown did defensively as far as being, you know, that turnover creator. So uh, I'll go Seki Wheatley. Yeah, that I was going to go safety, too. I, it's hard to choose which one is going to be that guy. Um, but I was going to go in the safety world as well. So I'll go offense just to make it more fun and fair. I'll go with wide receiver Caden Saunders. Was the best wide receiver in the the recruiting class last year. I really think he really could take a step forward this year. I think he has all the tools. He has the speed and the skill set to do it. I, I think there's I think there's a there's a hole for him to to possibly really become Drew Aller's you know one of his favorite targets. So I'm gonna go with Caden Saunders as as a guy again who under the radar that will become a household name. And I think it's easier to do but become a household name on the offensive side of things. So I'll go with Caden Saunders. Yeah, I I, I like that pick. Uh, the, the receiver room. You know, it's unproven, but there's no doubt that there's a lot of talent there. And Saunders, he, I think he made a couple early appearances last year. Then we didn't see him. And then he started playing more toward the end of the season. Uh, But he did appear to have a good rapport with Aller in the blue-white game. So I'm going to, he's definitely going to have a bigger role this year. And I think you're going to see more of him. So I like the pick. I don't know if you saw that next question, but we're not going to do that question. Uh, final question from Mike Scatina. Joe Juravicious is his favorite player from the 90s. My question is just to speculate. Oh, wait, let me get here. His question, my question is just speculate about where and how much Tony Rojas, linebacker Tony Rojas, will play. So I told you that we were going to get the Tony Rojas question eventually, Sean. It's interesting, and I saved this point about what James Franklin said about redshirting until now. So the new rule, players can now play in four regular season games and postseason. So now you don't have to, like, save one game for the bowl game. You get four games plus the bowl game or playoff game, whatever the case may be. That changes things drastically because now you can try to play a guy for a game or two, see whether or not he's he's ready to really contribute, and then you can save a couple games. Or you can play him and you realize he's going to play a lot more than just five games. Or you can play him in the first four games because he needs all the reps he can get, and then you can you know, you still play him in the bowl game if you need the depth. So you got a lot of the options of how you want to do it now. I say all of that to say I think Tony Rojas is going to play in more than five games this year. Uh, based on what we've seen in the blue and white game, based off what we've seen in his film, he was a Virginia Gatorade player of the year. He seems to have a knack for where the ball is. We saw him get his hand on a, on a pass or two. I, I think Tony Rojas is going to play um, 
a lot of football, and I think he's going to be playing that football at the outside linebacker position. Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to play in every game this season. Uh, and I'm not sure if he'll be a Sam or a Will yet, but he's definitely more of an outside guy. I think if you if you watched his if you watched his uh, highlights in high school, he's it's too hard. You you can't really keep him inside. You have to let him roam a little bit, let him show off his athleticism, and let him light people up because that's what he does. Um, you know if if there's an injury. Or if we decide, maybe periodically, I could see us maybe moving, uh, maybe trying to find ways to get Jacobs, Carter, and Rojas on the field at the same time. And I think in that case, you would kick Carter inside. I don't think we're going to be doing that all the time, but I could see some situations where it could call for that. And I think it could be cool to see. And... um, yeah, so I do think he'll play a lot, and he'll be bouncing. Or I think they'll be he'll be bouncing around between being a Sam or a Will. Yeah, and I would just add to that: if they have a lead, I could see him filling in for Abdul Carter quite a bit, and just letting him blitz and just get after the quarterback. I think he's going to be really good at doing that as well. So, uh, yes, I think Tony Ross will be playing a bunch. Thank you for all the fan questions. We always appreciate all the fan questions. Um, it's it's fun to interact with all of you. That's all we have today. So thank you very much for listening. I apologize. We had some technical difficulties. I don't think listening to the show, you should get very many of them. But if you were watching it live and then you had to come over to the show, we apologize for that. Um, just how it is. Anyway, that's uh, that's all we got. We will be in August. For the next episode can you believe that will be in august sean yeah yeah my time of you know updating oh we'll be in late july oh we'll be in early july uh yeah it's august and we always say august means football season's right there it's right there guys i mean we just had media day today so um there's a lot to look forward to for the football team there's a lot to look forward to for us and uh what's coming with us and yeah i can't wait to get started awesome well until next time uh you've been listening to hardcore penn state football please if you've made it this far make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this podcast and we will talk to you next week for sean kane i'm corey listoki see you later bye well